0: Your hosts of the Shock Therapy Podcast, Tyler Lawrence and Zach Alphons.
1: What's up, Zach? What's going on? Uh, So, we got a couple things that happened in the last week with the Chargers. Uh, one of the first things I kind of want to talk about is the Chargers are finally uh, breaking ground on their new headquarters. Uh, we did hear about oh, yeah. this uh, a few months ago, that they they had picked a new facility, uh, kind of in the El Segundo area. Um, when I'm thinking of this place and kind of what it looks like, uh, I don't know if you had a chance to watch the Cowboys' Hard Knocks, uh, but the facility is going to be very similar. Where you're going to have a couple different practice fields, and then all of their offices and everything uh, kind of being in one central location. Um, right now, I know they've been practicing in Costa Mesa. Uh, all of that's going to move a little further north up into L.A., up into El Segundo. Uh, it's a 14-acre lot, uh, and they had a, a cool little ceremony from what it looked like. Uh, Justin Herbert was there along with Derwin James, uh, head coach Mike McCoy. Uh, Mike McCoy, oh, my gosh, head coach uh, Brandon Staley. <laughs> I don't know what I'm thinking here. Uh, and uh, Tom Telesco along with all the other uh, big heads, Dean Spanos, the whole Spanos family was there. Um but it's finally happening. And I think that this is where uh, fans will actually go to see training camp uh, whenever it does finish. Uh, just taking a look at how long SoFi Stadium took. I mean, that was what, like four years that they were building. So three years, maybe. Uh, so it'll probably take them at least a year, if not two, to, to finish that. Uh, you got any thoughts on the Chargers new headquarters? Get a chance to look at some of the pictures or anything like that.
0: Yeah, just barely the a, a little bit on the pictures. The building looks itself looks really sweet. And I'm glad we get our own, you know, headquarters, the Chargers' own. It, it's just, it feels like this move into Los Angeles has just taken forever. We've, we've been playing there for a while now, but it's sharing the stadium with the Rams. At least we have our own training facility. So, it, you know, the city's becoming a little bit more of ours, even though, it might, it might not feel like it, even with the Rams winning the Super Bowl. So I'm just glad that, you know, we're becoming our own entity in the city.
1: In Morgan Fox, uh, Morgan Fox is in his sixth year. A lot of people are pretty excited about this move. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's as big of a move as people are kind of making it out to be. I mean, when you take into account, he has one season with six sacks. He's been in the NFL for six seasons. He was an undrafted player. Uh, I think that most people like the familiarity that you got with Brandon Staley being his uh, head coach. But then you look at his his stats and kind of what he's done throughout his career. Last year, he signed with the Panthers on a one-year deal. I think he had like one and a half sacks through, and he was available all those games. So he's just not a big part of the offense. Granted, maybe scheme has a lot to do with that, and being in the Chargers scheme might help him be somewhat productive. But this is, in my opinion, a downgrade from Kyler Fackrell.
0: Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is it's just another solidifying our depth overall on the edge. The edge is really thin after the, the superstar firepower up top. So I think you're just rounding it out getting a guy who's coached under Staley, familiar, help bring, you know, Chris Rumpf along and the younger guys that we have on the roster because we're really, really thin um, after Khalil Mack and, and Joey Bosa. So I, I think he's going to play a lot of minutes. Um, I do think he is, is a slight downgrade over Kyle Fackerel, but, you know, Kyle F- Kyler Fackrell did not play well for us last year. Um, and so hopefully this guy can give us some productive minutes. He's not going to be leaned on heavily um hopefully we get two full dominant and healthy seasons from Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa so hopefully we don't need him a lot but I I think this is just a a depth signing a familiarity thing because Staley likes his guys and Morgan Fox played really well under him in 2020.
1: Yeah I'm just kind of like looking at it for for what it is and I mean he's going to be the fifth edge rusher on this roster if he doesn't get bounced by um a, a practice squad type of player I just don't see it as that big of a signing I think it's more like a, a shoot your shot and see if you can get something useful out of him but it doesn't seem yeah like that's it's as big of a like it's exciting don't get me wrong like we got another edge rusher I feel like that was a room we yeah. were kind of light in but you go and you signed um Kyle Van Noy, who's going to be probably your third edge rusher. You're going to want to continue to upgrade Chris Rumpf uh, and develop his skill sets as a fourth-round draft pick. Uh, So this is a guy who shouldn't play very many minutes. He shouldn't be very productive. He shouldn't even, honestly, I think he's kind of a camp body who could potentially provide some veteran leadership. being projected out to be
0: yeah I, I and especially with all of the noise we made I, I think this is a very lackluster signing it's a necessary one um, but not one that gets me in particularly super excited uh, I more than anything I'm ready to see those those other guys the first four guys you mentioned get after the quarterback because um, there's some dynamite right there and just those four guys and Honestly, if Morgan Fox plays a, mean, any meaningful snaps this year, um, that's that's going to be, well, hopefully, yeah. The, I think the biggest thing about Morgan Fox is when he's healthy, he's at least available. He's a guy who can play through the bruise, you know. He he's can play veteran. through a lot of stuff. Right, well, and he's a five-year veteran and he's 28. So he, there, there's some value there. Um, I just It's not something that gets me super excited. I was just kind of scrolling through, you know, social media when I saw it. And I was just like, "Mm, okay. And that's kind of my, that was my reaction. I
1: don't know. I just thought it was kind of funny how people were uh, super excited about a signing where I feel like at this point, everybody's getting excited anytime the Chargers are in the media, which is a lot right now. And and it doesn't matter for what, and it's kind of funny to me. It's a depth piece, but honestly, I, I don't even know if he makes the 53 man roster. And that's kind of yeah. where I'll leave that.
0: <laughs> I think it is. I think you're right. I think everyone's just excited for this team excited because we are getting really, really close into training camp, uh, which will just lead on into a season. It, we were really, really excited about last year. Um, and we are significantly better, at least from a, a talent standpoint. So I'm excited overall. Um, and I think it's just, you know, we could sign anybody at this point. I think people would have a similar reaction just because, uh, the buzz it doesn't matter who you. it is. It doesn't matter at this point. The buzz surrounding this me. team. <laughs> they can Why sign not? me.
1: And everybody's like, oh, my God, they just signed <laughs> Tyler Lawrence. Oh, my gosh, who he never is this played guy? A
0: snap. <laughs> he hasn't played a snap since <laughs> high school. <laughs>
1: uh, talking about the offseason, just in general, uh, rookie minicamp did start last week. Uh, the Chargers did have all their rookies except uh, JT Woods who had not yet signed his contract. Uh, He was the only player who ended up sitting out. Uh, And then they interviewed a couple of the rookies, Zion Johnson, got some some time on the air, Jamari Salyer did. Uh, And then there's a punter that we'll be talking about here very soon uh, who's also going to be potentially uh, a a training camp leg uh, to see where he can go and provide. I'll talk about him a little bit more Uh, here soon, but then the Chargers OTAs does start on Monday, I believe, uh, and we'll Uh, press conferences coming up, and so we'll go ahead and get into that here soon. Yeah, so I think that we're going to be breaking down five uh, undrafted free agents in this episode, Uh, and Zach, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and jump in first. Uh, why don't you tell me about some of these UDFAs uh, that were at uh, rookie mini camp and that we'll get a, a chance to take a look at here um, as we start rolling into OTAs
0: All right um, the first guy I took a look at just because you know Brandon Staley loves his DBs and we got a lot of DBs coming to camp this year. Um, I took a look at Brandon Sebastian, the cornerback out of Boston College who, had a red shirt freshman season, but spent four years playing for uh, the Eagles over there. Racked up 141 tackles and really productive, but had really, really good ball production. 29 passes defended, eight career interceptions, and last season led the entire ACC with four of those interceptions. And he's just a phenomenal player. With his closing speed. Really, really great with that speed. Closes out on receivers very easily. Shuts down passing lanes. And he's really good in man coverage. He has those quick feet. Decent length at six foot with a 76-inch wingspan. And even though he spent most of his time on the outside, I I feel like his calling in the NFL is going to be as a slot defender. um, Really because of his deficiencies in his game. And I'll get into that here in a little bit but overall i think he's a plus athlete who he can make plays over a receiver he can contort his body to get around a receiver when he's in good position and he more often than not he's at least getting a hand on the ball which is really what you want to see now that ball production is great it's solid i just need to see him harness his aggressiveness a little more effectively to carve out a role on this team just because i i i I just see him as a very, very inconsistent player, and I think that's why he went undrafted. Now, despite playing a lot of snaps in college, he didn't improve the way you'd like to see from a guy who's played that many snaps. And out of the 48 games played, you know, while he was enrolled in Boston College, he played in 43. So availability, that is important, but the numbers have just slowly declined each year that he came out there, minus the big blow up in interceptions last year, everything else kind of just slowly declined. And now I just think he's a guy who is a little too aggressive. You know, he does not carry his back pedal very well. He's always looking to break up short routes and those intermediate routes. He's always looking in the backfield, which I think makes him susceptible to the long ball. I really think at this next level, a good head fake from a receiver, a solid pump fake from a a quarterback, that's all that's gonna be needed for him to bite and for him to get beat deep. And in this league with all especially in this division with all of these quarterbacks, these great receivers that we have, um, I just don't I just don't know you know, that's not something that you wanna see from a player who's going to have to battle, you know, his ass off to make this team on a very, very deep secondaries. Still I think his abilities to defend the pass overall can be valuable. I just need to see him harness that consistently snap, you know, each in in consecutive snaps and kind of harness that aggressiveness. I just think he's a little too aggressive overall. All
1: right. So uh, I'm going to talk about Ben Griffiths, uh, the punter that is at camp right now. Uh, I, 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 n- I typically wouldn't talk about punters, but I actually know who this guy is. Me just being a USVC fan, and I'm already giving him a nickname. His nickname's gonna be Big Aussie. That's his name. He's Big Aussie, <laughs>
0: uh,
1: and the reason I'm calling him Big Aussie is just he pure size. This guy is 6'7", 240 pounds as a punter. Like he's he's one of the biggest guys on the field, regardless, and he plays the position that is typically the least aggressive. But don't let you think that this guy's not aggressive. Uh, Gilbert Manzano actually thought he was Justin Herbert when he was out at rookie <laughs> <the> camp. <laughs> now, why am I talking about a punter? So, Ben Griffiths was PFF's seventh highest graded punter last season in the NCAA for the Trojans. Uh, his hang time on his punts is what really gets him notice. Uh 4.23 second uh, hang time was only behind Jordan Stout. It was second in the uh, – entire NCAA. Uh, stat went drafted in the fourth round uh, while Griffiths went undrafted. Why did Griffiths go undrafted? First, let's talk about Griffiths' age. He's 30 years old. He's an old guy and he's already had an entire professional football career as a player. He was drafted 19th overall in the 2009 draft by the Richmond Tigers of the Australian Rules football team. He spent eight year years as a professional, not just purely as a kicker, like he was a player. Uh, but in the Australian League, they don't wear pads. They don't wear helmets. Uh, injuries, they began to develop. And he took one too many concussions. Uh, and it just, it, it led to him making a decision that he needed to step away for his own health. Um, at 26 years old, he retired. And he enrolled at USC on a full scholarship to be the Trojans punter. He had to learn how to punt American football and transition to a game with a totally different set of rules. Uh, He improved as a punter uh, over, over the course of his career going from a 41.2 net average to a 45 as a junior. Uh, He was also named a team captain. First time a special teams player has been named team captain at USC since 1998. Uh, Had Griffiths been younger, he might've been drafted. Uh, The fact that his professional uh, was already a professional it's something that's kind of eye-opening to me. I pulled up some Aussie football highlights, and it's a totally different game. It's not even kind of similar. It's more like rugby than it is like football. Um, I'm not sure uh, how he did at Ricky minicamp. I, I feel like we haven't gotten a whole lot out of Ricky minicamp outside of the press conference. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if Griffiths uh, ended up being at OTAs next week and got some more time in front of Uh, the coaching staff he is like an invitee he hasn't signed any type of contract or anything of that nature but like i said this guy is an athlete he's a big big leg he's a big body six seven like he is huge he's already like the second tallest player on this entire team uh and he like i said he is athletic um he did play like legit professional sport for you know six years starting at 18 years old before he retired So it is interesting, uh, and I don't think J.K. Scott has that position locked down. I I think that he is the competition um, to beat. So we'll, we'll see where that ends up leading.
2: Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer brace I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART.
0: The Australian punter is getting very, very popular right now in the NFL. Last year, we we invited Lachlan Edwards, who was an Australian football player. He was my favorite to win the punting job for us. We released him. I think he's punting for the Jets right now. Um, But even before him, the grandfather of the Australian punter – uh, Darren Bennett played 9 seasons for us back in San Diego. He was a hell of a punter before we got Mike Cyphers and you know if it wasn't for Mike Cyphers he might be one of the best punters uh the best punter in in Charger history but
1: it's a part of their game. Like they they're kicking fun. field goals essentially. So like if you get a chance go on to YouTube and just google Ben Griffiths uh Australian Football League AFL something like that and watch his highlight film and it's kind of like he's he's fun to watch and I don't have no idea how this game is played. It's very Uh, confusing to me as well. He was straight up mossing guys (laughs) and just manhandling. Like I said, he was bigger than every other person. Um, It's, I think he's, it's going to be fun to see what happens with this, this guy.
0: Bunners are people too. And um, yeah, I, and he's a football player at the end of the day. Right. So I, I, I'm rooting for him. Um, even if we don't use them a whole lot in the in this system, I, I'm I'm rooting for him. Um, I took a look at Trayvon Bradford, the wide receiver at Oregon State, and we're going to see more and more of these guys with the COVID and everything, and um, the the wave years of eligibility. But he played six years of college football. Now, his best season, he racked up 785 all scrimmage yards, six receiving touchdowns. That was way back in 2018. You know, he dealt with some injuries from 2019 to 2020, only appeared in nine games during that stretch. But he finished his year, you know, as I'll call him a super, super senior, his third senior season last season in 2021 with 676 all-purpose yards, six total touchdowns, five through the air, one on the ground. In total, he hauled in 151 receptions, over 2,100 scrimmage yards. And I think what he does well is he is really, really good at tracking the long ball downfield. He can locate the ball over either shoulder effectively, and he doesn't need to slow down to haul in those passes. Um, He remains in stride on the deep ball, and he's not a burner by any means, but he can extend his arms, he makes catches away from his frame, and that's how he creates separation. He's not the quickest guy, but he can catch the ball, and he catches the ball away from his body, which which makes him able to haul in 151 receptions. That's no joke. That's a lot of catches. Um, now, he's not a really big guy. He's not a very strong guy. He doesn't really have the functional strength to consistently win outside. Um, and on top of that, he doesn't get off the ball very, very fast. But uh, he's effective on those deep balls. And when he's working across the middle, he has very, very strong hands. And so he's effective you know, as a slot receiver something that outside of Keenan Allen, uh, the Chargers are kind of lacking. So on top of that, Bradford offers some returnability. He, he only has three kick returns on his career, but he averaged 28.7 yards per return on those three. He has a lot more experience as a punt returner. He had 26 total with 16 coming over the last two seasons for 167 yards. That's pretty decent. But last year, you know, the Chargers carried five receivers. And I think we have five locks at this point with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Josh Palmer, Jalen Guyton, and now with DeAndre Carter in in the rotation as most likely going to be our returner. Um, I don't really know where Bradford fits in. You know, most teams do carry six receivers. But for whatever reason, the Chargers have wanted to just been we've been carrying three quarterbacks, it seems like, for a long, long time. Hopefully this emergence of Justin Herbert um, will allow us to drop that third quarterback for another value piece or, you know, another depth piece, but beyond, you know, as that sixth receiver, Bradford still has to compete over Joe Reed, Jason Moore, who's been slowly improving over his three years on the practice squad. And so I'm not really sure where Bradford fits in. Um, I think if he does make it, it's going to be because he's a really good slot receiver and the Chargers don't have, a whole lot of those um, outside of Keenan Allen.
1: It's not a player I would expect to make the final 53-man roster because it's not a player that not a lot of teams know about. And as a unrestricted, too. like as a UDFA, I think it's unlikely another team is going to come pull him to be on their main roster when nobody drafted him.
0: Right. Yeah, no, so that's a it's fair not, point.
1: Yeah, it's not a player that you'd expect. I would be looking for more for, you know, sixth and seventh round draft picks uh, who you're kind of forcing to make your team so that you can hold on to them. But any guys that go UDFA, like players, I feel like teams are going to want players they know more about. And those are going to be the players that are in camp with them.
0: Absolutely. I mean, and at this point, I know the Chargers have had some great success with undrafted free agents, but we had a lot of We've had a lot of draft picks. There's a lot of guys who were drafted. And so I just don't, if there is going to be a year that we break that streak of having an undrafted free agent make the roster, I think it's going to be this year. Um, On top of the fact that we have a lot of draft picks, we have a lot of returners locked up. And I just, I'm not super, super impressed so far with what I've seen from the undrafted free agents. But hey, it's rookie mini camp that's what's really fun about um, training camp in general. There's always several guys who come out of nowhere to, you know, make, make their, you know, make a name for themselves. So it could happen Um, at this point. I'm just not super excited about any of the undrafted free agents. Um, And I think it's going to be an extra tough battle for them because of the, how the rest of the rosters filled out and with all those draft picks that we've that we've had have acquired this seat, this season and last season.
1: Uh, I'm gonna talk about Tylon Shelby uh, outside linebacker edge kind of player uh, from Louisiana Monroe UL Monroe he's 64 250 pounds uh, he's a strong dude he put up 26 pounds on bench press uh, and he's somewhat athletic you know 4 uh, eight 40 yard dash 34 inch vert uh, so nothing really jumps out at you like super athletically. But he's enough of an athlete off the edge of, as a 3-4 as a uh, outside linebacker. Uh, Shelby was a three-star recruit out of French Stone, Texas. He had offers from Abilene Christian, UTEP, the Citadel, New Mexico, and then UL Monroe. His final offer was the offer he ended up choosing. Uh, he's got a little brother, Braylon Shelby, uh, who is a four-star linebacker safety hybrid, currently with offers from LSU, Florida, Arkansas, Texas Tech, all the SEC, ACC um, types of schools. Uh, that just kind of tells you about the pedigree that that this family's starting to build. Um, he finished twenty twenty one with five point five sacks and seven tackles for loss. So he's somewhat productive. Uh, still be at low of a um, uh, a league, uh, kind of in that division that they play in. Uh, I would have expected something a little bit more dominant from a player like Shelby. Uh, He's got some work to do just to make the practice squad. Uh, With the Chargers top five edge rushers we were just talking about, uh, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, uh, Kyle Van Noy, Morgan Fox, and Chris Rumpf, Uh, I don't see any way that a sixth edge rusher makes the final 53-man roster. Uh, but I do think that he kind of fits the mold of kind of a big DN, uh, probably fits better as a 4 3. I think he's got the ele- athleticism to, to play in our scheme. But you take a look at his size and kind of how he's built, he looks more like a 4 3 defensive end uh, than a 3 4 outside linebacker. Uh, I think he's better with his hand in the dirt, though, from what tape I did was able to find, which was really only Jackson State. um, He struggles to get off blocks, and he isn't the most explosive player off the line of scrimmage. He does provide some flexibility in that athletic upside. Uh, He played on the UL Monroe basketball team, which kind of shows some more of that versatility. Uh, He's a long athlete. Uh, Still, there's a lot that needs to be developed uh, for him just to make the practice squad. I don't think he is a lock to make this roster. Uh, I think he is purely going to be a camp body at this point in time, Uh, but we'll see if anything changes.
0: All right, Um, I'm going to keep going down my list. I took a look at Tyreek Maddox-Williams, linebacker out of Rutgers, and another guy, five years in the league. Um, Freshman season was in 2016. He opted out in 2017, but was pretty productive from 2018 to 2021. Racked up 193 tackles, 14 and a half tackles for loss. Broke up seven passes, forced two fumbles, recovered two fumbles, Um, but a lot of that production, you know, came really, really early in his career. He started every single game for the, what is it? The Scarlet Knights at Rutgers. Yeah. Every single game, um, from 2018 to 2019 and just kind of fell out of the rotation the past two seasons. But when he is out there, I think he's an instinctual player. He's a very tenacious player, a guy who's always looking for work. He's not a guy who takes plays off. Um, on top of that, he's a, he's an agile guy, he has solid reaction speed, he can run quickly, and he's a good open field tackler. Now, I think his problem is he doesn't have the power to blow up fullbacks, uh, which leads him getting swallowed up by the bigger, you know, stronger linemen. And overall, he's just not a really good block shedder. In general but that's not really you know his game He he's a very good coverage linebacker he reads the quarterback well um he uses that anticipation to jump routes he's also very effective at jamming guys at the line of scrimmage making sure that those receivers don't get clean releases and you know with kaiser white departing you know it leaves a hole that needs to be filled and now with just kind of staley's mantra and how he's adapted you know how he likes to run this defense i feel like that hole is probably going to be filled with like a bigger safety over a linebacker. But I still think it's worth mentioning, you know, Maddox Williams, his strength is in his coverage ability. Um, He's also a really very, he's a really smart guy. He was a five time all academic selection at big 10. So he was also hitting the books. And so I I don't know. Um, I think linebacker is one of our slimmer positions. I, I really, Excited to see uh, Drew Tranquil, who's going to get a ton of reps this year. Also, Aman Ogbeniga and um, Nick Neiman uh, have been, you know, guys that this coaching staff has has had a lot of, uh, well, has thought highly of, of and, and we've seen some good tape from those guys when they get opportunities, but beyond, the, beyond those three, um, we don't have a whole lot of depth, so Maybe Maddox Williams is a, is that one of those guys who can come out and put a, a solid camp together. Um, but it's also just not a very important position in in how Steely likes to run his defense, especially with all of these defensive backs that we've just uh, that we've brought into camp this year.
1: Yeah, I'll, I want to talk a little bit more, kind of the expectations on if there is a UDFA that makes this roster, at what position does he make that roster? Uh, I think we can kind of come back to that to the end, but it is an interesting point you make. Uh, five linebackers already likely to make the roster. Does that leave room for a sixth? Does that bump on in Bamiga off, or even like Nick Neiman? It's really it's going to be a hard decision. Um, one of those positions that I think could end up finding their way on onto a roster is going to be at the running back position. Uh, it's been a position we have struggled with. We we can. Pencil in the top two at the depth chart being Austin Eckler and Isaiah Spiller. Uh, those next two running backs, it really could go either kind of which way. Uh, one of those running backs will ha- have an opportunity to make the roster is going to be Letty Brown out of West Virginia. Uh, Letty Brown is a six foot 215 pound back. He's, he's kind of plays more like a big back. Uh, he's kind of slow 4'6, 440. Um, mile per hour which means he lacks the long speed that's the fastest he was recorded at the combine he was invited to the combine but he was the second slowest running back at the combine he had a 30 inch vert that's like bottom 10 percentile like i think i think i could almost hit 30 inches myself right now and i i don't even uh (laughs) practice so like it's uh i i hit a 34 inch vert in high school um Right now, I'd probably hit a 28. So for a a professional athlete at that position specifically, I I mean, as a 200-pound muscular type of back, you'd expect a lot more. And what that really tells me is explosiveness. He's not a very Mm -hmm. explosive athlete. Uh, His broad jump right in the 50 percentile. He didn't bench. He didn't do the three-cone drill. Um, Little background on Letty. He was a four-star recruit out of high school. And he ended up helping his team win a state championship in Delaware. He kind of bounced around from, from three different high schools uh, throughout his high school career. Uh, in college, he did two, have two 1,000-yard rushing seasons in his junior and senior seasons. Uh, he also had over 30 receptions each year for over 200 years in, in both of those years. Um, he's he's kind of like a light power back. He's, he's a one-cut back who lowers his shoulder and tries to fall forward through contact. He lacks... Any ability to make defenders miss. Uh, He can run through defenders. He can bounce off defenders, but he is not shifty enough to make anybody miss. Uh, He's purely a forward lean type of player who hits his gap, lacks any creativity in his vision to find alternate routes. Uh, He knows what gap he's supposed to run through pre-snap, and he never, ever deviates, even if alternate routes open up. Example, like when a defender takes away your plan A, or he misses an assignment and opens up a plan B or a plan C, he's just he's gonna go with plan A no matter what. Uh, that's kind of a lesson learned when you become uh, a more of a patient runner. He's just not a patient runner. Uh, he's not explosive. He's not dynamic in any sort of the sense. Uh, he did show, throw show some ability as a receiver out of the backfield. Does want no part of pass blocking. Uh, not a player who uh, wants to sit in pass protection almost at all. Uh, I didn't him even do enough dipping on his way to running out to some of those routes before becoming a dump-off option. Uh, Honestly, I don't think that he makes a practice squad. I think he is purely a camp body, um, and that's my analysis of him.
0: All right. Well, you you took a look at five guys. You have five guys on your list?
1: I have four and a half.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, that's a half more than I do because this is the this is the last guy I looked at. Uh, I thought we were doing four each, but yep, no worries. I'll wrap it up. Um, I got the Hell's Angels rolling by. I guess. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> I, I heard that. <laughs> oh, yeah, there he goes okay. again. Yeah, room, room. Right. That guy keeps riding around huh? He's a very, very loud on his bike. But either way. Um, I took a look at Skylar Thomas safety. I couldn't find a whole lot of film from him last season where he spent at Liberty. Um, but he spent his first three years at Washington state where for the Cougars, he had 152 tackles, six interceptions, uh, with most of those coming in 2019, he led the pac 12 with four interceptions in 2019. And overall he's a solid tackler. He had 207 total tackles on his career. Um, didn't play in 2020, uh, but he appeared in. Or he, let's see, he opted out in 2020. But last season, appeared in 13 games, racked up 55 total tackles, and more than doubled his tackle for loss numbers. Uh, he had a career four tackles for loss in 2021, and he's another quick guy, a four five forty. And what I like about him is he can play both corner positions as well. I've seen him play outside. I've seen him play in the slot, and what Staley has continued to do is add speed and versatility to his defensive back rotation. And I'm really excited to see, you know, how Staley decides to utilize all these guys. Cause he finally has the, the, the pass rush up front. He has the defensive line and now he has just a plethora of defensive backs. And so it's going to be interesting who gets those minutes, who he prioritizes, um, to, you know, to get snaps because they're not all, there's just too many for them all to get significant playing time this year. You know, even if we're running nickel and dime packages all day, uh, there's going to be some quality defensive backs left off this Charger roster. Um, It is one of the positions because Staley has just been saying, I want defensive backs all day. I think it is one of those positions that these undrafted free agents have, have a good chance of, of carving out a role for themselves uh, but at this point it's gonna be because they've had fantastic training camps and they're forcing the coaching staff's hand saying you have to sign me. Um, otherwise the, there's just too many good defensive backs right now on on this uh, that have been invited to training camp. So it'll it'll be interesting to see who who balls out this year and they're gonna have a really good wide receiver core to uh, test their skills against. So that's gonna be a very exciting. battle come training camp is how these DBs all versatile and all speedy match up against those receivers i mentioned but a very very strong tight end room as well so that's going to be fun and then we got some cast patching or pass catching backs in austin eckler and isaiah spiller that it's going to be dynamite in training camp i can't wait uh
1: i did break down another running back speaking of running backs uh running back kevin marks buffalo six foot 200 pounds i really 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 like the film that i watched from kevin marks uh, he's from northfolk virginia uh, he was a two-star prospect who never got any real interest outside of buffalo and hampton which is like a um it's a university but it's a really really tiny like division two school but like it's it's tiny uh, even after high school uh with over 2,300 yards rushing, and 36 touchdowns in a single season. Let me say that again. In his senior season, he had 2,300 yards rushing and 36 touchdowns. in. High- and his only two offers was from Buffalo and Hampton. Buffalo is a small enough school as it is. Hampton is even smaller. Like you've at least, everybody's heard of Buffalo, New York. A lot of people don't know where Hampton, Virginia, is. So it's I remember like totally... seeing a
0: Hampton. I remember seeing a Hampton game on TV a couple of years ago. I thought it was a. I legit thought it was one of those, um, you know, high school games. Just because I didn't had no idea. I never heard of it. So, so <laughs>
2: it's a little really background, small school.
1: Little background because I used to live in Norfolk, Virginia. Norfolk, Virginia is called the Hampton Roads area. Like that is that's it's Hampton Roads, right? And so it's Virginia Beach and Norfolk kind of combined into one area. And that whole area is called Hampton. Hampton is just or Hampton Roads. Hampton is like a, a tiny little college, like smaller than Norfolk State, like really, really small. And, and that is Hampton. So it's a it's a really tiny, um, I don't know, think of like University of Redlands or Um, try to think of like a small college that you know of that nobody else knows of, but you, because you're from that kind of town or area. So he was totally slept on. Uh, he goes to Buffalo and he gets starting time right away. And, uh, 2019 it's kind of weird. All right. So like, he's actually my sleeper, uh, for the UDFA, that's going to end up making the 53 man roster. Uh, and I think that he's a player that is both agile and he's explosive. He's a shifty runner who played for a real small school and was never really on the national radar. And his stats tell like a weird story. So follow follow along with this. In 2021, he had 108 attempts for 414 yards. Last season, five touchdowns, 3.8 yards a carry, like not a real big season. In 2020, he had a pretty similar production, 112 attempts, but 741 yards averaging 6.6 yards to carry. He, he either had like one really big game, uh, one like hundred yard rush or something of that nature. And he had seven touchdowns. So those are his previous two seasons. That's really like, you can look over those types of stats, right? He was basically a rotational player in 2019 as a sophomore, he was a 1000 yard rusher with eight touchdowns as a freshman he had like 800 yards and 13 touchdowns. And and so like you you take a look like his best seasons started his freshman year and then he got a little bit worse his sophomore year and a little bit less productive in his junior and then even less productive as a senior. So I had to take a look like what was going on with this guy's stats because players who are freshmen and they already step in and they're a 1000-yard, you know, back with 13 touchdowns and then they progressively get worse, that's not the normal. You're supposed to get better, not worse. Uh, He wasn't utilized much as a receiver out of the backfield at all, never had more than 13 receptions in a season. Uh, He shows a lot of promise on film, though. He has the size and strength to be like a legit power back. He's also agile enough to juke defenders right out of their shoes, has a lot of short area quickness, and he can make decisions very quickly when he needs to. He shows a lot of effort to turn out yards, and he doesn't give himself up easy to me perfect blend of power and speed. Uh, he's He's got the power, uh, the perfect blend of power to be a punisher and the finesse to kind of just stay fly. The the vision is still developing. Uh, there are some hit and miss moments. Uh, he's ro- regulated to more of a rotational back in his junior and senior seasons, which is kind of interesting to me. Uh, he also ended up having his senior seasons uh, some sort of lower leg injury that helped prevent him. So maybe the last two seasons is... Injury-related is kind of what I'm looking for. Uh, I do know that he had the lower leg injury. I don't know exactly what happened in 2020. Potentially, it was the COVID season, and maybe he only had 112 attempts, uh, which would tell and paint a better story. Uh, But even with the lack of those stats, he ended his career as the fifth in yards, total yards for Buffalo, and third in rushing touchdowns with 33 over his four-year career at Buffalo. Uh, and he started the 2021 season on the Maxwell and Duke Walker watch list. So at least somebody was noticing him. Uh, I really like what I see. He looks like a, uh, what's the Arizona State running back that was just Rashad White. He kind of has a very similar running style to Rashad White where he's got a little bit of power. He's got a little bit of strength, um, but he's also shifty and agile when he needs to be maybe it doesn't have the vision that's developed or the pass catching prowess. Um, But I I think that there's something here worth developing. I'm really interested to see where it goes. Kevin Marks.
0: Kevin Marks.
1: And then also I did kind of, I told you I had an extra half a player that I wanted to talk about. Half analysis. uh, Andrew Trainer. Uh, if you want some better analysis, go to the Guiltiest Charge podcast. I know that they ended up interviewing him. Um, but I did watch a uh, uh, quarter <laughs> against ja- um, against Virginia. He's 6'7", 300-pound, ta- 20-pound, uh, offensive tackle, former tight end. Uh, He's a three-star recruit, had visit, did uh, Penn State. He went to Northwestern for a visit as well, had offer from East Carolina. He originally committed to Virginia. Uh, The Virginia head coach ended up being fired and he reopened his recruitment, landed at Illinois. A year later, uh, he transferred and followed his Illinois head coach to William & Mary. He gained 80 pounds to play offensive tackle over the four-year period, which to me is insane. He was all CAA, which is whatever division or conference that uh, William & Mary is in. Uh, He's a big dude from the, the film that I saw. I can't give you any in-depth analysis on Andrew Trainor, Uh, but I would say offensive tackle is one of those positions where a UDFA could potentially surprise and make this roster. Um, let's talk about that a little bit right now. What are some positions on this roster you think that a UDFA could squeeze their way into?
0: And I think there's very, very few. Um, just because when you look at the guys, Let's start with the guys who I don't think have any chance. I, I took a look at Trayvon Bradford, but just with the receivers that we have on the roster, even if we keep six, I just don't see him beating out uh, Joe Reed or Justin Moore, who have some familiarity with this coaching staff and offer, offer a little more versatility. And he's the only receiver that we brought in. Now you look at the running backs. I, I think there's a chance there. Um, But the top two positions are locks and Isaiah Spiller and Austin Eckler. And I just don't see both Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree, I think, are solid backs who have just not had enough opportunity. Um, So I don't see – I don't really see an avenue there um, at running back. Tight end, I think, is possible. But when you look at the top three guys and Gerald Everett um, Donald Barham and Trey McKitty—that is very, very complementary play styles. And I really think we're going to see that H back role kind of get delegated to Xander Horvath, who I think uh, can catch out of the backfield. He can run; he's an extremely good pass blocker. I don't—he was never asked to run block, uh, but I, I can see him being able to do that because he is very talented. Or he's a very good athlete. Um, then you look at James McCourt, the kicker. I I think we're pretty locked in with, uh, Dustin Hopkins. He kicked well for us. And I find, I just want some, would
1: be so surprised if we, we just signed Dustin Hopkins to a three-year contract. He is guaranteed to be our kicker.
0: And beyond that, it's like, don't do that to Charger fans. Let's have some type of, you know, continuity and something there to, yeah, I totally get that. Please. Um, then you could look at the you know the DBs we brought in, um, you know, let's see, I I took a look at Brandon Sebastian, and where is he? Skyler Thomas. We also brought in another safety from Indiana, Raheem Lane. Uh, if they do make a chance, it's because d- uh, Brandon Staley is going to bring like ten DBs into into the you know the regular season. But still, I think they have an uphill battle. I think the bet, the the guy who makes most sense because he plays the position that I think the Chargers are the weakest at is Andrew Trainer. You know, he plays tackle. Right tackle is a is wide open, in my opinion. I know we were talking about Trey Pipkins has gotten a lot better this offseason. I hope so, but we still need to see that um, left tackle is solidified. But beyond those two guys, it's it's not a whole lot of depth for one. And then we're really not even locked in for a starting right tackle position at this point. So if I had to pick, I think it's Andrew Trainer just because of the position he plays, um, even though I haven't taken a, a whole lot of, you know, taking a, taking a a harder look at him. But the rest of the team, I just don't, I think is pretty solidified at this point. And now that's why we go to training camp, things happen. But at this point, I, I think it's Andrew Trainer. Maybe one of those DBs because Brandon Staley just wants speed and versatility, which he's shown. But I think he's got his guys in the draft. Uh, we had a lot of draft picks. So I think, I think we're pretty well-rounded as a roster, which is exactly where you want to be with a, a superstar, an aspiring superstar and Justin Herbert at quarterback and, and all the other superstars we have on the defensive side of the football. I just don't see... It's a it's a smaller undrafted free agent class. Um, how many is it? Fourteen total.
1: Uh, I didn't. I sent you the list of them. They also have a bunch of players that were at rookie minicamp that were tryouts. Uh, yeah. Players that are not on futures contracts. So they got a lot of players there right now. Um, they. You, I mean, I'm just assuming that the, the unrestricted, uh, undrafted free agents that they ended up inking to. to Futures contracts, essentially, uh, have a much higher leg up than some of the um, the camp invites that you get, the the rookie mini camp invites. Uh, There's only one player on that whole camp invite that I totally am looking at being, okay, Ben Griffiths, big, big opportunity for you, because J.K. Scott is um, he's not he I mean, he was cut before his his rookie contract was over. That yeah. tells you all you need to know. He was drafted in the fourth round, so there's something talent wise there. There somebody looked at him and was like, "Hey, this guy could be, uh, you know, a, a Pro Bowl." If you're getting drafted in the fourth round, you could be a Pro Bowl, All Pro type of kicker.
0: That's higher pretty than Matt high. Ariza was taken, sixth round, insane. And you know, we know how you feel about that guy.
1: I just like the big legs. I think the reason we can talk about that just a little bit. I think the reason um slept on basically is he out kicks his coverage, right? Yeah. Yeah, he can he can kick it all the way down the field, but you're giving a player an opportunity to return, which is the side of the punter whole situation that nobody's talking about. This is why um Stout, uh Jordan Stout was drafted as highly as he was, is because while he may not have been at the very you know longest punt net average he had the highest hang time teams would much rather not get the extra five yards on a punt and make sure that their their um, their teams can get downfield and and cover punts forcing a lot more fair catches they would much rather do that than have an opportunity to give a player a, a 15 uh, oh, oh, a two-second head start to take off and run, right? Like, that's right. what it comes down to.
0: Well, and it's a skill. We we kind of sleep on it because it is a specialist type of position. It does, It's not used a whole lot, but it, it's a skill. There's a reason why the guy with the longest leg is not always out there. If if that was the case, you know, there'd be a lot more soccer players who can just kick, you know, the skin off the ball. Um, there's more to it than that.
1: Yeah, I, I think that the biggest thing you're looking at with a punter Hang time and an ability to get the kick off quickly. Yeah. Right. Get it off quickly. So we don't get something blocked and get some hang time on it because the other side of the hang time, not only does your coverage teams have time to get down there, but also it forces so many more turnovers because that ball goes an extra 10 feet higher than everybody else. That's, that's additional speed coming down muff punts are huge so when you got a big leg it's it's not about how far you can kick or how hard you can kick it's about being directional getting kicks inside the 20 and getting your coverage teams down there to cover because you're you want to start with good field position and most football games are wheeled won by field position where do you start off on a consecutive type of you know part of the field you know, you, you have a team that's constantly starting on their own 15, 20-yard line. It makes it a lot harder to go 80 yards than it is to go 60.
0: The Chargers last season, and we only scored as many touchdowns as we did because we have a, a baller at quarterback. So that was us last year. We were starting in us. 20 for a long, yeah, it seemed every drive go back to
1: when the chargers had the number 1 ranked offense and the number one ranked defense yeah. and the worst special teams and that's what it came down to is it came down to the special teams covering kickoffs covering punts it's a big part of the game everybody knows it
0: that and if we're going to talk about that the one of the best regular season kickers of all time and Nate Kading, couldn't hit a field goal when we needed him most like
1: and i'm not even talking about putting three on the board i'm literally only talking about, covering talking about everything punts. else
0: it's been so long it's been a whole decade of neglected special teams um for this entire team on, on all four c- units right and so uh yeah
1: and i finally feel comfortable with our kicker and yeah, i'm still too. terrified of, with our punter because jk scott was with the packers for four seasons and uh, I mean, it's there's a whole lot of good to take away from the Packers uh, special teams units. It's all been Aaron Rodgers and his ability to not turn the ball over has been why they've been so good. You can talk about everything else. They got a strong defense now, but it's been Aaron Rodgers, you know, 40 touchdowns and three interceptions or five interceptions. Like, it's insane. It's insane how – Efficient Aaron Rodgers has been with one receiver. <laughs> That's it. That's all it's been. It's been one receiver,
0: and he's always kind of had one receiver. Like it was Jordy Nelson at one point, and then I know Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb played together, but they would take, you know, they would take year one would be really good, and then the other one kind of just fade away, and then the Randall other one Cobb, would be really good.
1: Randall Cobb was never great though.
0: Right, like he had a good season, and it was because Jordy Nelson got injured that one year. Yeah, um, and because he played with Aaron Rodgers, who who I think could make a Randall Cobb look really good.
1: Or you talk about Jordy Nelson, you had Greg Jennings. That's
0: right. right. Yeah,
1: Greg Jennings. Um, the Packers have had always one good receiver. Always, they've always had one guy, Donald Driver. Right.
0: Driver. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I was toward the beginning so that was like the transition from Favre to uh to Rogers and they had Greg Jennings and Donald Driver on the same team and I think that's the team that they went to the Super Bowl with. I think we're getting way off, off
0: we are topic way here. off. We are way off topic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I, I do think I actually do think that there is a place for UDFA to make this roster in a couple positions. I think that a fourth running back is legit. Uh, and I think Joshua Kelly is going into his final year. Uh, is he going into his third year or fourth year?
0: I think it's his fourth year, but. So
1: he had, I want to say he had two seasons under. Uh...
0: Kelly is getting big this often. I don't know if you've seen any pictures of Kelly, but um, he's been putting on some nice – some. oh, he is we, – we took him in 2020 and then drafted Roundtree last season. So it's his third year. So Kelly Kelly's
1: spot is getting a little hot because his inability to pick up those first downs, which was – that was his job. Like that was literally his only job on roster. Um, Roundtree offers kind of a similar skill set. But if both of those players become redundant to each other, that yeah. opens up a roster spot. It's if the Chargers carry four, um, and I'm assuming the Chargers carry four because I feel like, and we've talked about this. I feel like four running backs is what a team needs because it's a, a position to get so many injuries. I'm really, really hoping we only carry two running backs. There's no chance that that that. Arm has any chance of making the fifty-three man roster, and I think it's tough for me to stick. Um, I, I, I at least in terms of the fifty-three man roster spot, uh, there's no. I don't. If a team does come and pick him up, I care not at all.
0: I mean, not what is he slides. doing for us? It, it, yeah, is he going to play? If if you know the unimaginable happens and Herbert goes down. No, you're, you're going with chase Daniel because he's done it before and he's been successful in that position. He was a starter for several years. So there's no, he's there's always no been room. thrust
1: into that. Yeah. And to me, it's just the only thing he offers you is that scout team. Right. Wide, uh, re- running quarterback. Like that's his only thing that he offers to me. And I just don't see the upside. If you think that there's the upside and he can go and be your long-term backup quarterback, okay, go for it. But I don't know. Maybe he showed a little bit of promise in in training camp. I would need to see leaps and bounds better uh, from him in training camp, uh, which I'm excited to get into. But I do think a fourth running back UDFA is possible, kind of an Austin Eckler situation. Uh, There is a possibility for a sixth wide receiver. Uh, There is an opportunity for a fourth tight end, but there's only one of those, right? So you have to not only be the best fourth running back, but you have to be a better fourth running back than a sixth wide receiver or a fourth tight end. So.
0: And it's a good position to be in as the chargers, because it seems like we've always get to this point and there's several glaring holes Um, I think right now it's right tackle and some depth pieces. I think that's where I'm going
1: to next is offensive tackle. There's only one in camp right now. Um, And he has a legit chance to really make this roster and push Storm Norton, who is going to cost you next to nothing to cut it. I mean, his his spot is very hot right now. Um, so is Trey Pipkins. Trey Pipkins is on the final year of his contract. Uh, one of those two players, very likely that they both make the roster. Totally, totally possible that one of them doesn't. Uh, and then you go along to the defensive side of the ball. I think edge is locked up. I think that there is no chance that there is any edge player that makes it. Also, going back to the offensive line, no center, no guard.
0: We have way too many. Um, we have a lot of those guys. And they're all versatile. They can all play multiple guard positions. And, I mean, yeah, there's no way our interior offensive line is really nice. Uh,
1: Going back to the defensive line edge, there's no chance we carry a sixth edge. And I think we are so deep on the interior side of the defensive line that we're going to lose a good player, Um, good problem to have. I don't think there is a single chance we carry a sixth linebacker. And based off of how high the team was on Eamon Ogbong-Bamiga, the fact that Troy Reader has experience with Brandon Staley as a starter, uh, and you've got two pretty high draft picks. Uh, um, Drew Tranquil was a fourth rounder. Kenneth Murray was a first rounder. Uh, I think those five are pretty much locked. I know Cole Christensen might have an outside chance to dethrone Ogbong-Bamiga. We'll see. Uh, And anywhere in the secondary, there's a high, high probability between Jasir, uh, Leonard, and the 15 other DBs that we have out there in camp. Uh, Also, Mark Webb, not a lock to make the roster either. Now that JT Woods is here, and I think JT Woods is a upgrade. I I really like – the more that I'm watching JT Woods, the more excited I get. Um, It's going to be very interesting. I do have one player who is – way too early to tell but i just i like it for what it is ben griffiths as a punter mm-hmm. is a legit opportunity over jk squat scott i've talked about it enough i'll JK say it one last time <laughs> jk squat yeah <laughs> uh ben griffiths and jk scott um the big aussie versus the the, the the squat leg. I don't I don't know what you want to call it, but the, that's the cat battle to watch. Who's going to be the Chargers punter again?
0: I'm excited. When does training OTAs start next week? You said
1: Monday. Monday is is Let's OTAs. Um, not really a whole lot. It's all about getting in, uh, installing the defense. It's already installed. Installing it for the new guys. There's a lot of new guys. This is almost a completely new restall for the defensive side of the ball because Austin Johnson, brand new. Sebastian Joseph Day, yeah, he's got familiarity, but this is still a a different team. He's got to learn it from the guys next to him uh, and how those guys are going to play it. Uh, Khalil Mack has some familiarity, obviously. Uh, Still a new defense to him. He understands concepts, obviously. Same coach, same system, but it is a different team. He's going to... Got a guy next to him who probably doesn't understand it all that well. Uh, Bryce Callahan, I don't think it's going to be a hard install, but it is a new install because a lot of these yeah. guys have never played together. JT Woods, totally new to him. Um, the Chargers have a lot of new players uh, on the defensive side of the ball who have never played together. So it's going to be an install from that kind of situation. And then continued growth on the offensive side of the ball. The whole core is still there. The entire offense is is just a year further along in the progression. It's the same exact offense, same exact players. The only newcomer is going to be Isaiah Spiller.
0: And Gerald Everett, which is going to be a very... Oh, Zion huge...
1: Johnson, Gerald Everett. Yeah, you're right. It,
0: but beyond that, that is a whole lot of continued continuity, a lot of familiarity, which NFL teams do not normally see that type of rollover. You know who does see those type of rollovers are championship contending teams and so that's something to get excited about that offense was absolutely explosive and we got a legit running back too, and a very very exciting kind of slept on tight end in Gerald Everett and the interior of our offensive line has gotten better so this is going to be a fun year I can't wait to get into camp and and see Staley's wrinkles and and how these guys kind of respond to him because beyond beyond just all of the new guys we have We have some terrific leadership um, with Justin Herbert and then on the defensive side with Derwin James and Joey Bosa. And then leading the charge, Brandon Staley, people listen to this guy. They'll run through walls for him. So I can't wait.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty stoked myself. Um, We'll get more into this next week. Uh, I'll talk to you a little bit offline. A couple things I want to talk to you about in the coming weeks. But thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys later.